0: Thanks for listening to the Community Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Pastor Dan Strutz here. Our desire is to connect people with Christ and community. For more info or to contact us, please visit cbcmountainlake.com. There is an announcement on cupcakes, and uh, I will just comment that uh, in case you're thinking maybe that's too early, it's still kind of breakfast time. The cupcakes have bacon on them, so they consist as a breakfast food. So you can have one afterwards, and that will be excellent. So, uh, no, <laughs> I, I hope you enjoy, and uh, I hope that uh, uh, I hope that my birthday can be something that you guys partake in or they can celebrate. And I, I appreciate the compliment or the, the celebrations and the happy birthdays as they, we get into this morning. But uh, this morning, this time, it, it's it's not about me; it's about the Lord. And want to make it about that. We want to open up God's word this morning. Uh, we're going to start going to Isaiah 58. That is the chapter we're in today. If you're going to your pew Bibles, if you are looking to those, you can turn to 523. Uh, if I have my numbers correct and you can turn there and, and find Isaiah 58. Uh, we've been on this journey through Isaiah and uh, uh, we're coming towards the end uh, within the next couple weeks. Uh, handful of weeks here. There's 66 chapters and it's been a beautiful image that's painted by Isaiah of our God who is very holy but yet wants to save and do stuff in our lives. He's a God that is is great and mighty but he also wants to come into our brokenness and into our pain and do something about that. And this morning the we want to consider that brokenness. We have that in our own lives, we experience it, many of us, we don't share it, we don't want to talk about it, but there's hurts, there's pains in our own lives. But more than that, we know that there's hurts and brokennesses in our our world around us. Bob was alluding to some of the bigger scale things, but we also know that there's stuff in our own hometown. Uh, When I first came here, when I first uh, was looking at coming here. I, I asked someone who I knew that lived here. I, I said, I said, there's a bunch of churches in town. We're like, why should I come? You know, isn't this just an over church town? But I, I, as this person said, you know, if you want to squint your eyes, if you squint your eyes down, you won't see any problems at all. It'll be Mayberry. But if you open your eyes too big, you're going to see them all over the place. But the healthy reality is, well, God is doing stuff and God is good. At the same time, there's really brokenness in that. And so the goal for the church is to step in and to be part of that brokenness uh, from the standpoint of healing with the gospel hope that we have, that we find not just in the gospels, not with Jesus, but all the way back into Isaiah, this hope that God has been working towards through this book. We want to step into that and we do that through living out righteous Lives that speak and demonstrate what God has done for us. And so this morning, as we gather, we want to hear this message. And the title of this message is, Let Us Delight Through Righteous Living. And the idea there is that we're delighting not in the righteous living. We're not delighting in what we do, our works, but we're delighting through them. We're delighting in what God is doing through us what God has done in us, and what He is doing through us as uh, each of us live out our gospel calling. We want to delight in the Lord. We also want Him to delight in us. I think that that's what, uh, at least if you're a believer, if if you're in Christ, you say, I want God to delight in me. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And as a church, we can even ask, as one pastor mentions about this text, we want to start to ask as a church, Questions like, what kind of church is it that is going to demonstrate and show what God is up to in the world? He's building his kingdom here. What does it look like for us to show that and demonstrate that? Also, what, is, what kind of church is it that he's going to prepare and use and support as we go on mission in our community with the brokenness and the hurts that are there? And I think that that's what Isaiah wants to bring to us this morning. He's going to give us a a commission, a calling. He's going to challenge us. He's going to press in on us a little bit in chapter 58. And we want to listen up. So with that, let me pray before I read some of God's word. And then we'll uh, get into our text. Let me pray. Father God, we, we believe and trust that you are the creator of this world made it you keep it spinning on its axis you own it it's yours and that even includes the brokenness that's here that that while that was uh something that is not of you we desire or we realize that that you are the one that wants to step in and redeem it back to you you want to show up and do stuff and show yourself in this world and i believe that that this morning. As we look to Isaiah, an old word, a a word that challenged your people, we want to ask, Lord, what does that have to speak to us? We want to hear from you. Not my wise words, but ultimately your word that speaks to the heart, that goes and pierces deep into us. Lord, press into us this morning. Uh, Show us what we Thank you for this word. We believe it's alive and active for us. We believe, Spirit, that you're going to work here in this place. In your name. Amen. Isaiah 58, and I just want to start off by reading verse 1. Isaiah 58, verse 1, it says this. Cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgressions to the house of Jacob, their sins. An odd verse to start with. It's not a warm fuzzy. It's not a happy feely verse. It's not one that you want to put on a refrigerator magnet on, in your kitchen home. Uh, the idea of calling out sin, I doubt you guys have that on uh, as, as a devotional reading that you go to all the time and you have memorized. But it's there in the text. Verse one, a call to confront our sin, a, a call from God to uh, uh, to speak forward, to cry out and speak to a people about how they've missed it. It's a verse that we probably want to shy away from. Now we don't know who's speaking in this verse. It, it says, "Cry, declare, lift up your voice, shout aloud." It, it's loud and it's like it's like a trumpet call, saying. Wake up! It's saying, say these things out loud so the people hear them. And if you and me hear those trumpets of, of, of where we've missed it, we probably don't want to turn to it. We actually probably, in, in theory, want to turn away from it. We, we want to turn away. And we want to hide in shame. We don't want to admit our, our issues, our sins, our problems. But two things to note here in this text. Two things to note in in the course of where we're at in Isaiah, Isaiah starts off verses or chapters one through thirty nine, and it's speaking about how holy God is, how good He is, how great He is, but yet how we've messed up, and it's talking about how He's going to judge that, He's going to uh, speak into those things and, and show how we've missed the mark. But we've journeyed to chapters forty through fifty five, and there we saw God is going to do something about it. He's going to bring a servant to comfort. He's going to do uh, a work that can bring us back into Him where we don't have to fear His judgment again. And now we've entered into chapters 56 through the end, which speaks of God and how He's going to move forward, how He's working out through His work and through us, His people. And so when we hear these verses that say, cry aloud my transgressions and the people's sins, what we need to hear is that now because of the servant and what he's done, This call for our sin and the way we've missed it is actually something that we don't have to fear anymore if we trust in the servant. It's a reminder to turn back to him and to say, oh yeah, I forgot what God has done. I want to remind myself. And so at this point, we remind ourselves that this at this point, this is a good calling. It's hard. It's like where something hurts and the doctor, if you go to look, show up at the clinic and he kind of pushes in to kind of feel what the problem is or what the the brokenness is and he presses in but he's doing it for hit for help this pressing in of calling out our sin it's a good thing at this point and we should want it we should desire god to call out in us things that are broken and, and that he should call us to return because as we saw last week in chapter 57 if you remember back to that He speaks of a repentance, a turning back to God that ultimately brings us peace. Do we want peace in our life? I hope we do. And God says that much of that comes through us turning back to God and, and understanding how we've missed it, understanding where we've missed the mark, and turning back to him and finding the peace and the love that he offers through his servant. So this morning, as he's speaking to his people, a people he's covenanted with and walking with, we want to hear that, and we should feel the pressure of it, but know that it is good, and we should want to walk into this and listen and be challenged. We want God to delight in us, and we want to delight in our God, and he's saying this is part of the process and understanding of our sin, where we miss it from time to time, probably more often.
1: That leads us into
0: the first of three main things that we see in this text. And the first happens in verses 2 through 5. Look there with me as I read it. He's speaking of their sin, of their trans- transgressions, and he says, Yet they seek me daily. Okay, hey, that sounds good. They delight to know my ways. Again, sounds great. But then he continues on, As if, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God they ask me they ask me righteous judgments they delight to draw near to god and they ask the people do why have we fasted and you see it not why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it god he says again behold in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and oppose all your workers behold your fast only you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist, fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such a fast that I have chosen a a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this fast a day acceptable to the Lord? He leaves them with a question there. What we see in these verses, and you see up on the screen, is that here God is exposing and rejecting religion that is self-serving. He's exposing and rejecting self-serving religion. These things, if you look again, as I kind of alluded to, you see them. He says, they seek me daily. they delight to to know my ways. These things look really good. Like, on the surface, if you saw this person... You're like they're doing their quiet times. That's great. They're 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 going and they're reading their Bible. That looks really good. They're even seeking to know and they want to delight in his ways. This may even be the person that's got their their headphones in and when you say, "Oh, what are you listening to?" they're like, "Oh, I'm just listening to another sermon and I'm I'm listening to the Bible or all those things." Those things are really good. And, and ultimately this this religious uh, kind of Person or these people, the story is going to land with them fasting. They're they're seeking God all the time, and they're even going to the fact that they're fasting regularly. Fasting, if you don't know, is is the idea of giving something up. Most often it's thought of in the terms of uh, giving up food. It could be other things. But it's thought of as giving up, and the idea there is denial giving up something that you crave that you enjoy that is good and you're giving it up to deny yourself uh, to focus in on god or to ask something of god fasting in itself is a really good thing uh, i i was surprised actually how it's not as common as you think in the old testament but god does ask for fasting on the day of atonement he asks for for people to give up eating on that day that important day We see fasting throughout. I thought of Nehemiah when when he cries out when the city walls are broken down and and he goes to weep and he fasts for his people and he cries out for them. We know Jesus, he goes off in the wilderness, right, and fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. Fasting itself is, it it can be a good thing. It's a religious thing. It's a worshipful act before God. But the key word in verse 2, if you're an underliner, if you like to write in your Bibles, the key word if you're in the ESV at least the version that I was reading from it says they do this as if as if it's kind of like you're not you're not doing it they're they're mocking or they're doing it in a in a fashion that shows up and they're they're fasting and they're doing these things but it's only in action it's not in heart the NIV it says in verse 2 it says, they seem to delight in me. It's, it's as if it, it looks at on the outward like they're delighting me, but they don't actually. They're actors. They don't actually live uh, truly in the heart of the gospel, in, in the work and the promises of God. So now we don't know what this fast is for. We're not given any information. We're not really sure what the what the storyline is behind it. But ultimately, they're drawn to fasting, and and, and they're drawn into giving up stuff for God. And then we hear them respond in the midst or after this fast. Verse 3, they say, why have we fasted? You see it not. They're speaking to God. Why have we humbled ourselves? And you have no knowledge of it. They're asking God this question. They're questioning Him, and they're saying, God, we have been super religious. We have been really, really good don't you hear us? Why aren't you responding to us? We've been so religious. And again, while we don't know the particulars of this fast, these particulars they could go to our own day, that, that they could be other religious actions. We ourselves could get caught up in this and say, God, I've been praying for this for years and years and years. Why haven't you answered this? God, I, I read my Bible daily. Why haven't you answered this? Why aren't you responding the way I want you to? We could even say, hey, I go to church every Sunday. I've been here for 52 years or whatever. Like if we had gold star stickers up on the wall, like you'd have all of them. Like like you'd be really like, I've been here. Why aren't you responding? They're asking this question of God. Why aren't you hearing? Why aren't you responding? And there's an irony because as they're asking that, as they're they're saying, why aren't you responding? God actually is listening. When we sit there and say, God, why aren't you listening? The reality is, is he hears. And he is responding the right way how he desires. He's responding, and unfortunately it's not a positive response. Verse The back part of verse 3. He says this fast that you're participating in, you seek your own ways. You're, you're seeking your own pleasure. You're serving yourself. It's as if we could say that they are, are looking to God and say, okay God, I scratched your back, you should now scratch mine. Or as a, a, a pastor who who spoke on this passage, he kind of uh, alluded to this idea that this is kind of a vending machine theology. Have you ever gone to the vending machine and you want a Snickers bar? You go and put in the coins, you push the buttons, hopefully you push the right buttons, right? Not all of a sudden you get skittles. You push the right buttons, and, and all of a sudden you expect that a Snickers bar is supposed to fall out, and there it is, and you have what you want they've put together this formula of saying if i do this this and this if i put the coins in and push the right buttons god is going to give me what i want a vending machine theology self-pleasing self-focused and it just ends up being empty rituals that don't that god does not respond to in a way that's favorable to them what's worse is that this is this selfish act it doesn't just it doesn't just be, affect the individual like if, if this is what you are, are if you are participating in and falling into this doesn't just affect you. He goes on in verse five or verse four and he says that this this leads to quarrel quarreling it leads to infighting it leads to a conflict within the people. when this is your theology that you hold to when I hold to this myself. It causes friction in the body of Christ. It causes friction in our church and it also will cause friction in our community because what we're doing is not modeling God, we're modeling selfishness and we cause conflict because God's Word doesn't match up with our actions. It affects the community. And God is rejecting it yes verse 5 as he goes towards this rhetorical question this this kind of is this the fast is this what i asked of you uh, he he says you guys are way humble you are way doing on the outside you look really really good at what you're doing you he says you've humbled yourself you've bowed way low you've put on sackcloth and ashes It's as if the person in our day is, they're coming into worship and they're bringing their giant Bible and they're lifting up their hands. I'm not saying those are wrong things. I'm just saying that, that sometimes we can, on the outside it can look really good. But on the heart, it's what's on the inside. What are they asking for God from in that? God says, this isn't the fast I asked for. Or more specifically what He's going towards, the question that He's asking is, He's saying to a people who He's redeemed, who He's saved, He's saying, I didn't redeem you. I didn't save you. I didn't send my servant to do this for you so that you could just kind of ask for more stuff through your religious actions. I I didn't uh, give you a story, a song to sing, just so you could think on yourself and feel like all it is is about you. It goes beyond that. This religion, we could say, they've privatized it. they brought it down to just being about them. And they've missed it. And if we think about this as just being a calling out of Old Testament people, we could go easily to the New Testament and find all sorts of interactions where Jesus interacts with the Pharisees, where they've made it about the actions and the outward appearance, and they haven't loved as God wants them to love. Where they are concerned about the what they're putting forward and modeling, but they aren't really concerned about living out what God has actually called them to. And this is where the verse kind of turns. It shifts. It shifts and says, this is the fast that you participate. This is the self-denying thing that you are doing, but but it's not what I honor. It's not what I want. And he shifts. Again, it's not a judgment where he's, he's judging them and saying, your are He's actually saying, no, here is what I've actually asked you. And he gives them a second chance. He reminds them and offers them in their sin and how they've missed it to return. Verses 6 through 12. There we see that God delights, not in self-denial that's self-serving, but self-denial which blesses others. Self-denial which blesses others. Look at verse 6 and 7 with me. He says, is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of the wicked, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Verse eight, then you shall know. Your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your your guard. Then you shall call on the Lord and He will answer. You shall cry and He will say, Here I am. He's speaking of what He wants for them and what He's going to honor and how He's going to allow us to delight in Him. He delights in us denying self for the sake of others. What is the fast that God chooses? What is the thing that he asks? He starts in kind of that rhetorical form, that form of a question. He says, what is it? Uh, And and what we should hear in that as he's asking a question, it's not a statement. It's a question as if they should already know. This shouldn't be a surprise to them. They should know based on how he's loved them and cared for them and his commandments and his law, what it is that he's asked. We should know what God has asked. We should want and should desire and should know this should not be a surprise that God wants us to care and bless and love others. It shouldn't be a surprise. He says that this fast, this self-denial, is to uh, loose the bounds or, or loosen chains to undo straps or to lift off burdens off people's shoulders, to let the oppressed go free. And and this is the language of helping those who are enslaved to things. And this would make sense to Isaiah's people. Again, knowing where we're at, Isaiah is speaking to people that have gone into exile and that are going to come back out, that have been brought out of exile. He, these people know what it means to be in bondage and to have be uh, be enslaved to something. He's saying, "I freed you so that you can return the favor to others. I've done that so you can speak and respond to the good news that I've shown on you and show that to others." In our day, we may have that as a people are physically, emotionally, socially oppressed. We can think of large-term people, the people who who are the least of us. That there is some sense where we want to care for those who have been marginalized, those who have been set aside, those who are, are weak. We want to press in and we want to step forward as disciples who know good news and we want to point people towards good news and help them in those things. That's what we're called to do. It's what God honors. Now, many of you in those things are thinking big term, big picture, national news type things. But I would even say that at a smaller level, we need to consider that this has an immediate impact on our lives. Asking ourselves more pertinently to us, who's your neighbor? We can think of stories that Jesus told. When asked about who's my neighbor, we could think of our own neighbors, people that are next door, literally the house next to us or across the street from us. And we can think of those people and we can think that they are probably wrestling with hurts, chains, burdens, broken relationships, people that they have no one around them that will say, I care and I love you with the love of Jesus. They they have the bondage of, of depression. They they haven't had a hug in years and they're hurting or or maybe it's the, the neighbor who is struggling financially because he's just made some bad choices or or maybe it's the person who is struggling with pornography or it could be we could go on and on and on there're hurts in our own community and these people that we are called as gospel Christians we're supposed to be moving forward in them based off of what god has done for us Some of these things are people that are in your neighborhoods. I would even challenge this morning that as you're thinking about that, I would even challenge this morning that some of those people that were called to help and serve and love are the people that are right in this room. There might be a person in the pew with you who is hurting, who God is calling you to step forward and, and to help lift the burden off their shoulders through the gospel and loving and caring for them. That might be the case. God is saying, I freed you by my grace. I've brought you out. I've rescued you through my servant. Now you go. You go do and like do likewise. You go and show mercy as I showed you. You show love as I showed you. Basically, he's saying, be a disciple of what I've done for you. He's saying, That's what honors me, that's what I love. a a thing that delights in serving others. We're called to live justly in verse 6. And justly, it's not that we're the judge, jury, and executioner. We're not going out and judging, but we're judging with the same grid, the same focus that we've been given through God, which is mercy, forgiveness, and caring. And the verb there, It says to break every yoke, and those words, and it continues on in verse 7, those things are uh, the idea of constant. They're never done. This isn't a one and done. This isn't always in our life. We are always working towards this. We always want to be doing this. And that idea is huge, this idea of, of going and giving and forgiving This big, because while fasting is a denial of food, here he is asking us to deny ourselves of things that are probably harder to give up on. I can give up on my lunch for an afternoon, but it is really hard to deny myself of my pride, of my entitlements, of my judgments, and walk across the street and get to know my neighbor and pray for them. It's hard to fast in that way. It's hard to step in and care for the broken, the weak, the oppressed. We can say, are we doing that? Is that what I am participating in in the gospel? Verse 7 goes on. It speaks to uh, uh, of going a little bit further. Not just that you are, are living justly, but also that you are showing hospitality. Justice and hospitality. Verse 7, he goes on. A little bit deeper, a little bit further. He says, share your bread with them. It's as if he's saying, have them at your dinner table. Have them over, he says, invite them into your house. Clothe them where they're naked, where they have need for protection. Take care of them. He's saying that these people that we're talking about, you should treat them like your family. You should bless them like you would your own children or your brothers or your sister's. And this makes sense, right? I mean, this is all throughout the Scriptures. This is cover-to-cover this is cover God's stuff. This is what He's asked us to do from the beginning with Abraham. Abraham's promise from God is what? I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. That's really early on, just as well. I bless you so that you can bless others. It's not a blessing that we hold on to. It's a blessing that we pass on. We could go further, all the way to the New Testament. What does Jesus say? There's two commandments, right? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and all your mind. It he gives a second commandment, right? It's not just worship God. The second commandment is this. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love them as your family. He says that those are the things we're supposed to be participating in. Cover to cover, this is what we're called to do as the gospel community of Christ. Practically speaking, again, going back to your neighbors, those who you know Those who you think about, think about the first part. Don't just be religious. Don't just be uh, someone that's that's fasting and praying for them. He's suggesting here that it's not just a matter of you saying, "Susie and Johnny across the street." I know uh, that they don't go to church. I'm guessing that they have some problems in their life. So I'm just going to like prayer drive around the block a bunch of times and just pray. Every time I see their house, I'm just pray for them. I'm just going to pray for them. I might skip a meal every wednesday for them he's saying no don't just be those things and do those religious things those are good but he's saying no go to them interact in their life love them care for them we're supposed to be starting to do this kind of stuff in our lives this is what a disciple this is what a christian does it's not just being a matter of being religious it's a matter of being a gospel person on mission with the mission of God. It's not about what we want um, in the form of God or what we want from God. It's about going and, and going and loving others, caring for them. And what we should what we should get out of this is go back to those earlier verses. They're saying, "God, we're, we're fasting, we're praying, we want you, and, and we're thinking about ourselves." And he's saying and said, no, go and serve others, and in that I will say, here I am. I'm with you. I'm walking with you. Verse 9, he says, in this I will sp- respond, here I am. Whatever the selfish desire is for you, what we should want instead is to hear God say, here am I. I'm with you. I'm delighting in you as you're delighting in my work. We should want that. now, There's a caution here. There's a caution of a circular kind of problem. We don't go to our neighbors. We don't go and care for them. We don't go and serve the hurting. We don't bring them in our home so that we can go back to the the vending machine theology where we put in the buttons and say, "Okay, if I serve, if I do these things, then God is going to give me my Snickers bar." It's not that. The the thing that we should want out of it is to say, because this is what God does, it honors Him. He's already given me so much that I go and do this because He doesn't owe me anything. I owe Him everything. It's not what I can get out of it. It's what I can offer and bring delight and glory to His name. So I want to caution as we're thinking about those words that He delights in something that blesses others, our denying self and going to other people. We don't do it for our purpose, we do it for His. This leads us... I should stop and pause and say this. He, he goes on, verse 9, he says, Then you shall call, the Lord will answer, you shall cry, here I, here I am. If you take away the yoke of your midst, the pointing of fingers, the speaking, uh, speaking of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry... And satisfy the desires of the afflicted, you should your light, then shall your light rise like the darkness, and your gloom like the new day. He says to us, When you stop pointing your fingers, when you stop making excuses, when you stop doing what's wrong and what's wicked, then you're gonna see that peace that I promised you in chapter fifty-seven. Fasting, denying self, going and serving, trusting in Him, trusting that He's going to say the whole way, I am with you. What does Jesus say? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And He's doing it in the sense of going and making disciples, going and making people who know the hope that we have in Christ. He's saying, go do it. I'm going to stand with you. It moves us from fasting, from denial, from lack to ultimately feasting that's the third and final thing that we have in this text god promises these blessings as we turn and delight to him in him we turn and delight in him it's kind of an odd transition because he's talking about fasting and, and, and giving up and then he moves towards sabbath and that might not make a lot of sense if you think of sabbath as just being a religious practice a something you do on sunday that that you have to give up your hour in the morning and get up early and come to church and if it's just a matter of kind of sitting here and listening to me and I I know I'm not I'm not the most exhilarating guy up here but he's talking about stepping into feasting on something and that feasting is feasting on the Lord look at verse 13 if you turn back your foot from sabbath from the sabbath and from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight. Again, let me read that. And you call the Sabbath a delight. The holy day of the Lord, honorable. If you honor it, not going your own way, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. and, And for the month of the Lord, For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He moves from fasting to Sabbath. And the idea of Sabbath it is not what we think of it as that we're removing ourselves from work. No, the idea of Sabbath is feasting on the truths that God has already worked. And, and He's done what we do. And He's working and He's saving and He's caring for us. We're resting and feasting with Him in what He has already done. the terms of Isaiah, it's on the completed work of the servant who loves us, who died for us, who brings us into his presence, and leads us out in life knowing that he will come again. He promises this blessing. He promises us joy as we turn back to him and delight in Sabbath rest that we no longer have be religious. We no longer have to do the actions to try to please Him and appease Him. No, instead we get to go out and serve Him and speak the good news of His gospel. For us on a Sunday, we gather here for an hour, and if we just see it as an hour, we come and we maybe listen to to someone talk. If it's just we sing a couple songs and it's not feasting, we've missed it. What he's suggesting here is when you come this morning when you come on Sunday, when you spend this day, it's not just a second Saturday. It's a day where we're spending turning and rejoicing and feasting on the good Gospel, the things that God has done, and we celebrate it so that we can go out as we've had our meal, as we've had our fill of the Lord, and a reminder of His Gospel that we can go out six other days of the week and we can deny ourselves and fast serving others knowing that man I have had such a good feast on this Sunday morning in God that I can give up myself and trust that he's going to be with me as I look to serve others. As I know that I've been loved and cared for, that I've been adopted by his grace into, our, into this family, I can go out and say, man, I want others to hear about that. God is going to call out and expose when it's about us. He wants us to die to self and live and serve others. And he wants us to feast on him so that we can do that week in and week out on mission for him, depending on him every moment of our lives. Again, as I said in the beginning, that very first verse, call out the sins, the transgressions, the misses of my people. We hear that and we want to say, oh, that hurts. But what we need to hear is that this is the healer. This is the doctor. This is our Lord that's saying, press in, listen, and step forward. And in those things, you will find that I am good, that I love, that I care, and that I bring peace into your world. For some of us, we may be missing that. And I asked this morning, are we just coming here, are we just doing the religious actions for our own self-pleasure, for our own giving so we can gain, or are we doing it? So that we can serve. That's the question I want to leave us as we go towards our Monday. Where we're going to run into people who are hurting. Where we're running into people who are broken. And we want to communicate not about us, but about our God who has rescued us. So this morning as we turn to him. As we're going to sing in a moment, Lord, we need you. We want you. We want to feast on you every hour. Lord, this morning we want to trust that that's true. Please pray with me as we close out this morning? Father God, this morning you have, from Isaiah, spoken of the reality that we miss this far more than we wish. We come, we sing, selfish motives. We do it not to love you or not to love others. But we do it because maybe we think we can get something out of it. Lord, those are true things that we will grow in you, but ultimately we need to realize that we've been given what we need in you and that it is our duty or our desire, your desire for us to pass it on, to live out on mission hurt, helping, loving being disciples for you in our community. Lord, we need you to do that, and we trust in the truth that, Jesus, you were the only one, you were the only one that lived your life, you served, you laid down, you came denying self, denying your seat next to the Father in Heaven to come and to serve, to love us, so that our burdens are changed, Pains can be lifted away as you speak to us your love and your compassion and praise on us. Lord, for these people as we go out from here, whatever is the word that is challenging us, whether it be our religiosity that you don't care for, whether it be that we need to continue to take trust in you and step across the street to our neighbor, or that it be that we need to delight on you more and more so that we can go out. Lord, may we take that with us. And Spirit, may you convict us. May you press in on us. We're investing we trust in trusting you today. Amen. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus, for your work. And Spirit, we thank you that you are speaking.